0: Knowledge is the key. CannabisRadio.com is here to keep you in the know on Just Say No. Did you know there are over 100 medical conditions that can benefit from cannabis therapy? Just Say No talks to patients who have used cannabis to treat their medical symptoms and create a better quality of life. Each week, we will tackle a chronic condition by talking to patients, doctors, and researchers with the goal to helping you live, learn, and thrive. Just Say Yes to Just Say No. Now here is your host, Ryan Hunt from MJWellness.com.
1: Thanks for joining us. I'm Ryan Hunt from MJWellness.com and welcome to Just Say No. Each week here on Just Say No, we evaluate, investigate, and give a thorough look at all the various diseases we think that cannabis therapy can help. Today on our show, we're very excited We're gonna be talking about our guts. Today's guest is Dr. Jennifer Burns. Dr. Burns has been in practice since 2005 and founded the Benitre Center in Arizona in 2011. The Benitre Center is a family practice with an emphasis on gastrointestinal health. Hello, Dr. Burns, and thank you for joining us.
2: Hey there, so yep, I'm glad to be here.
1: So, uh, straight off, Dr. Burns, I wish you were my doctor. I have been treating my ulcerative colitis for about two years, and recently discovered marijuana. And part of the reason we have this show is because I'm very interested in how it affects and helps me personally, and it kind of expanded from there. I know that you have a personal story, too. You've battled with IBS for 20 years?
2: Yes, it was a struggle first. I mean, when you're first finding out, and then you're going to doctor after doctor, and they're just like, "Mm, I don't know. I mean, it's like, IBS is hardly talked about 20 years ago compared to where it is now, where it's like more mainstream. So I can understand the frustrations that a lot of people have when they can't find out what's going on and they're needing answers.
1: Is that why you got into digestive health?
2: Yes, that's a big reason why I got into uh, digestive health is because no one had any answers. And all you left with was pharmaceutical drugs and um, being frustrated at the doctor because they're just like uh, you know, here, try this. <laughs> and of course, back then, 20 years ago, they didn't have a lot of the medications that they have now. So it's basically a lot of, you know, like painkillers and stuff is um, all they were basically were saying.
1: Yeah, I feel like I see a lot of pharmaceutical commercials for IBS. What is a typical day dealing with IBS like?
2: Um, well, let's see. If we're talking about 20 years ago to now for me personally, personally, oh, my gosh, I would have anxiety before I even left the house. I had to map out where the bathrooms were, and so that way I knew I could at least make it to certain points before I had to get to my final destination. I talk about eating food. I couldn't do it. You know, I mean, it's like any little thing would just upset my IBS. It was terrible. And I can understand that because a lot of people go through that on their daily basis. And then, of course, when you're anxious, it makes the IBS worse. And then you're just like, you know, in this continual cycle.
1: Yeah, with IBS, is it is it a urinary thing or what is it?
2: IBS is basically irritable bowel syndrome, which is irritation of the colon. It okay. can also include a little bit of the small intestines too. So basically, what we're looking at is intestinal inflammation. Some people can have constipation with this type of inflammation. Some people have diarrhea with this type of inflammation. And some people have a combination of both with it. It just really depends on a person's stress level, the level that the IBS is at, because there are varying degrees of it from just like minor to very severe. And so because of that, everything varies as far as you know, like what they're having to do in order to manage it. I do know there are pharmaceutical agents out today that actually do help be able to maintain some of it as far as the spasms and stuff like that that people are having. Nausea can also come in with it as well. There's more knowledge as far as diet and stuff like that goes. I mean, it's like for me, I was just trying out so many different types of herbs to try and rebuild my gut back up. And then I guess the final stroke for me was actually having to deal with how I dealt with stress, how I looked and perceived stress, any little thing. I mean, like I said, even just walking out of the house. And so after I was able to do that, I noticed that a lot of my IBS symptoms calmed down. I went on a gluten-free diet. There are still anti-inflammatory herbs that I use, but I'm actually able to maintain now. I can walk out of my house without having anxiety, you know, think, again, I may have to stop off somewhere, you know, because something's going to happen at any moment or given time.
1: I know what you're saying. But I've lived through that and it, it tends to flare up. Is IBS something that flares up as well, it, you know, goes into remission yes. and flares up? And you said it's anxiety has a big part to do with that, right?
2: Yes, definitely. So yes, you can have parts of remission, parts where it flares up, People could go years in remission and all of a sudden it flares up again. Or people will go weeks with remission and then it flares up again. So it just really depends on each person. Just like with ulcerative colitis, each person is different here again with the severity of their symptoms on if it's going into remission or if it's flaring up most of its time.
1: I guess I have a question about that, actually. What is the difference between ulcerative colitis, Crohn's, and IBS. I, I didn't know IBS had such intense flare-ups, but does it present itself as a bloody stool?
2: It can. And with bloody stool with IBS, you also get mucus that comes out with it as well. Mm. IBS is basically inflammation of the colon because it's irritated. And it doesn't, whenever the doctors do a colonoscopy, there's no like actual damage, like in Crohn's, it'll kind of look like this cookie cutter thing where you got some areas that are healthy and some areas that aren't. And so they can kind of tell with that one. With ulcerative colitis, here again, it's ulcerations that are occurring in the colon, which creates this inflammation. IBS doesn't have any ulcerations. You're not getting like dead areas in the colon like you do with Crohn's, but it's just basically overall inflammation. It, everything else has been ruled out, so this is
1: basically what it is. Oh, is, so that's how it's diagnosed. It's just kind of a process of elimination?
2: Yeah, exactly.
1: And do we know if this is due to environmental or genetic factors? I mean, I'm 40 years old, and this came up about two years ago for me, and it really, it really shocked me and, and flipped me <laughs> upside down for a while. And I, how did this happen? Or how does, how yeah. does it happen for for anybody with these digestive inflammation disorders?
2: That depends. Yes, there can be a strong family history of it where people have like gut issues, but they don't know exactly what it was because let's say maybe 60 years ago, they didn't have the diagnosis of ulcerative colitis or irritable bowel syndrome. They're just saying, okay, you know, it's like their stomach hurt, they're having abdominal pain. Sometimes the doctors back then thought it was acid reflux. So, or, you know, it's just of unknown origin. So there can be a strong family history that ends up coming down with it. They just may not know it because it's probably not diagnosed, you know, way back when. Some people, it could be our environment. We are so stressed these days with everything. There doesn't seem to be any downtime for the body just to kind of relax because the adrenal glands are just pumping all the time. And there's, you know, I mean, so where is it going to go? And then a lot of times that stress will go to the weakest part of the body. And for a lot of people, it's the colon. I mean, the colon is our second brain. And if something happens with that, it can create all sorts of other things.
1: So is this a chronic condition? Is IBS a chronic condition or is it something that goes away in some patients?
2: In some patients, it may go away. I said just remission. There is no cure for it. But yes, it is a chronic condition.
1: It's so confusing what's going on in the gut. What's going on in there? We have a lot of bacteria, and in these conditions, the bacteria is attacking the gut, or the gut is reacting to the bacteria by trying to attack the bacteria. How does it work?
2: Okay. So, what happens is naturally, yeah, that's fine. So, no, I mean, it's like naturally what happens in our gut is there's billions of different types of bacteria, funguses, all this other stuff that's in there. I mean, basically the colon is our waste system, so what can happen with that is that for those that are prone to constipation, you get what's called leaky gut, which is where the colon toxins start leaking out and starts creating damage in there because of the toxins that you have because you're not moving the bowels the way you should be. So that's one reason that could happen. Another thing, too, is food allergies. Food allergies can come in and can really wreak havoc, you know, basically everywhere. So you take that along with toxins that are coming out from the leaky gut, then that's when you can start getting more irritation on top of that because you're eating stuff that you shouldn't be having and it's creating more irritation. The other thing that can happen as well from this is that anxiety can also cause inflammation in the gut as well. So sometimes it's the anxiety and the stress, everyday stress that we have that can build up to where all of a sudden it's just like, shh, you know, the body's like, okay, I'm done and it creates that inflammation. And then also the food related to it. And then also to a decrease in our probiotics or our good gut flora from overuse of antibiotics and also some other medications which can irritate the gut lining can actually cause a lot of this IBS stuff.
1: Gotcha. So, Dr. Burns, we need to take a break, but when we come back, let's talk more about the digestive system and also how marijuana therapy can help.
0: We will be right back
3: once you get to know our
0: sponsors.
3: Gondrepreneur.com, your guide to the cannabis business world. Gondrepreneur.com is a comprehensive resource for cannabis professionals and entrepreneurs. Download the Gondrepreneur app on your smartphone or tablet to catch up on cannabis industry news, scroll through our daily job listings, and learn about successful cannabis companies, executives, and investors. Gondrepreneur.com, helping Gondrepreneurs grow.
0: MJWellness.com, the largest medical marijuana community in the world. Connect with thousands of patients, doctors, industry leaders, and businesses through shared personal experiences along our worldwide network. Discover new therapies and benefits with content tailored to you. Come grow your network on MJWellness.com. You're not alone. Your wellness matters. Learn, live, and thrive. Check out MJWellness.com today.
4: Most people who use don't have a problem, so I think that you need to think about policy in that way while educating people
2: properly about marijuana. I think that's the way to go.
4: Burning Issues, only on CannabisRadio.com.
0: Just Say No, spelled K-N-O-W, is back with more conversation about curing and healing with cannabis, only on CannabisRadio.com.
1: Welcome back to Just Say No. I'm Ryan Hunt from MJWellness.com. We've been discussing IBS and various digestive disorders with our guest, Dr. Jennifer Burns. So, Dr. Burns, when did you first learn about marijuana as therapy for IBS?
2: Actually, it was probably about five years ago when the laws came into effect in Arizona. Previously, before that, I knew it had good benefit for pain management, my father had incurable cancer, and I was seeing what he was going through. He lived in a state that didn't have marijuana legalized at the time. And, I mean, the morphine and the Percocet he was on wasn't helping out with the pain. I'm just like, oh, my gosh, there's got to be something else for this. So that's what really got me into marijuana and realizing the anti-inflammatory aspects of it. There are other plants that I already knew of. They had anti-inflammatory effects in them with the cannabinoids, like echinacea has cannabinoids in it. Jamaican dogwood actually has cannabinoids in it. And believe it or not, licorice root actually has cannabinoids in it and is anti-inflammatory. So I kind of knew about that aspect to begin with, but the marijuana has some more concentrated aspects of those cannabinoids that really help reduce muscle spasms and And since I've been doing medical marijuana certifications in Phoenix, Arizona, I've been noticing that a lot of my IBS patients have gotten tons of relief. They're able to function normally again. They don't have the nausea they had before. They can actually eat now because they actually have an appetite being on the marijuana, which gives them the energy that they need for them to actually be a productive member of society.
1: You're probably one of the first doctors who is actually doing this out of your practice. Is, is that right?
2: Yes, I was one of the first physicians in Phoenix when the laws first passed who was doing medical marijuana certifications.
1: How have people responded to it so far? I, I guess, do other doctors, are they getting there? How do you feel within the community? Are, are people being more open and receptive to it? Are patients asking for it?
2: It depends. There are some doctors that are still very skeptical about it just because there's not a lot of research that has been done. There's a lot of patients who are very open to it because they've tried everything else and they can't get any relief from all the medications that they've been on for their IBS. They still get the flare-ups, they still have the anxiety, or they just don't feel like eating or even leaving the house because of the way the medicines that they're on is making them feel so with them switching over to medical marijuana, a lot of them have noticed bigger and They've noticed that they're not having the flare-ups as much as they were. They're not having the nausea as much as they were. But besides that, I also talk to them about diet, about food allergens, about removing those, so then that way they can have a full life back and not have to worry about leaving their house and having to map everything out or having an anxiety leaving the house and thinking you know that they have to know where the bathrooms are and if they can make it there in time.
1: Do you see patients come in start using cannabis therapy and they go into remission or does cannabis therapy help the symptoms? My own personal experience I feel like when I use cannabis it might be the number one thing that helps control my ulcerative colitis. Now I've changed my diet I've tried to live a healthy lifestyle, but it seems like cannabis has such a big effect and I'm really shocked by it. Are other patients getting that same level of relief where they even go into remission by using cannabis?
2: Yes, a lot of them have. It depends on the degree of the IBS, but a lot of them are seeing remission. A lot of them are seeing the inflammation go down. A lot of them are saying that their bowel movements are now normal and that they're actually are able to eat and not have to feel like that they have to rush to the bathroom or that they are able to get sleep at night because they're not having to wake up in the morning and here again, like rush to the bathroom. There seems to be something for a lot of the IBS patients between like four and six o'clock in the morning that causes most of the inflammation for them that, you know, that able to subside because they've been able to be on marijuana for the anti-inflammatory effect where they don't have to wake up and have any anxiety to think that like, oh my gosh, now I have to go. They're woken up from sleep and having to go to the bathroom.
1: What do you suggest people try? I guess my question is, do you suggest they use a one-to-one ratio of CBD to THC? What's your feeling? I'm sure a lot of your patients don't want to have that feeling of being high. And do you start them out on a CBD? Is that effective as THC in anti-inflammatory?
2: Well, in the state of Arizona, here our dispensaries are the ones who go through dosage and recommending of plants. For mm-hmm. those, most of my patients who have IBS already are prone towards anxiety and depression, And um, what my patients have told me from first-person experience is that the higher the THC, the more their anxiety and depression gets worse with their IBS. So Mm -hmm. I started recommending, I said, look, when you go to the dispensary, find one that's lower in THC, higher in the cannabinoids, because they're getting the same aspect there as far as relief goes with the nausea, with the inflammation, with the anxiety that comes along with it but they're not getting the head high. They'll still be able to get the sleep that they need at night for it and here again without having to feel groggy in the morning because they don't have that head high. But it really works for them on that aspect because you're looking at an anti-inflammatory effect from basically two or three different angles, not only the THC because you can still have low THC and still have an anti-inflammatory, anti-spasmodic effect, but with a higher cannabinoid, we're working with a whole different system. We're working with the immune system. We're working with anti-inflammatory. So we're seeing this from like two different ways with a couple of compounds that's coming from the plant. I'm sure there are many more compounds that are being utilized in this that we haven't even gotten into yet. That are also going in and really benefiting those who have the IBS.
1: When I know you don't recommend or you leave it up to the dispensaries to really kind of give the recommendations on what people should be trying, but how do you feel about, I feel like edibles are more effective for me. Do, you, do your patients talk about how much they take during a day? Do they always have to have it in their system? Do they have a vape pen they carry with them during the day?
2: It depends. Most of the patients who've come back to me some say that them, like vaporizing seems to work better for them than edibles. I have some that say that the edibles work better than when they were vaporizing. I have some that say that the tincture works better for them than the edibles and also the vaporizing or smoking it. So because everyone's experience is so different with it and with the different plants, you know, everyone's results are going to end up being different. So I get a combination of answers. You know, I, every time I see my patients, I'm like, I wish I had a Star Trek tricorder and I could just scan you and say, all right, this is the one that your body needs.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And it does, it affects everybody so differently. It's really hard to say, even what I take on a daily basis. Some days, it's effective. And some days I just, I'm too high, you know, (laughs) it must be a tough thing for a new patient to walk into and learn about and to have a dosing schedule that works for them.
2: Yes, definitely. So, I mean, that's why it's kind of like trial and error. I'm sure that the, our dispensaries basically have people dose low and then kind of go up from there. So, especially for first timers, that are doing it, you know, I mean, it's like they always need to dose low to make sure that this is going to be a right fit for them, you know, because if they dose too high and then a lot of times they can get scared from it because they're not quite exactly sure what's going on.
1: Well, this is a good place for a break, but when we come back, let's talk a little bit about the center that you run and other conditions you see marijuana therapy helping.
3: Sounds good.
0: We will be right back once you get to know our sponsors.
1: Just
0: Say No, spelled K-N-O-W, is back with more conversation about curing and healing with cannabis, only on CannabisRadio.com.
1: Welcome back. I'm Ryan Hunt from MJWellness.com, and we've been talking to Dr. Jennifer Burns about digestion and marijuana therapy. Dr. Burns, I have a question about probiotics. I take probiotics. I think a lot of people are taking probiotics, and we do so because we're told it's good for your gut. What do probiotics do in there, and does it complement marijuana therapy?
2: Okay, so what probiotics do is that it's actually good gut flora that's being reintroduced back into not only the small intestines but the large intestines. Previous to history, all we had was just colonizing for the small intestines and then they finally realized, hey, we also need stuff for the large intestines too because we got good gut flora in there as well, which is when they came up with the probiotics to hit both the small and the large intestines. What it does is that it can actually help some people lose weight. It gives a lot of people energy and it can actually help heal the gut because of all the, you know, different types of bacteria that are in there. Some of them aren't really supposed to be overproducing like they're supposed to be. And so that's what the probiotics do is get in there, kind of regulate everything, and just kind of help to heal up the colon. Your second question of probiotics and marijuana, can they work together? Most of the time, yes. Sometimes people, like with anything else, can end up with a side effect with the probiotics and also with the marijuana together. So it really depends. But the majority of the people actually end up doing really well because the marijuana helps with the anti-inflammatory aspect it actually helps to boost the immune system the colon has like the largest amount of immune regulation and blood circulation around it than almost any other part of the body and then you're adding probiotics in to actually help recolonize the gut both of them together can actually work fairly well
1: So if you were to say what the most effective thing is to manage these conditions, I know that you've been recommending or giving recommendations for marijuana. Do you think it's diet, probiotics, marijuana, any anti-stress that you can do in your life? How do people get better?
2: With a body as complex as it is, you need to have a multi-dimensional approach. So doing all that stuff, finding something that relaxes you, putting in the probiotics, looking at food and how you deal and react with stress are all things that I do in my clinic to help people out because you just can't do one thing and have it affect every other aspect that you have.
1: So speaking of the in your clinic, what people come in for and specifically as it relates to marijuana, what other conditions do you see that people are using marijuana successfully
2: for? glaucoma hepatitis c because some people have flare-ups with that chronic pain we have a lot of people that helps out with we have people who have multiple sclerosis where that's helping them out wasting syndrome where just people just aren't eating it's been helping with the side effects for chemo and radiation for the people to be able to have the energy to recover from it I mean, there's just this whole world of gamut, migraine headaches that's been helping with that, you know, even tension headaches. There's just a lot of benefit that I've seen in the last five years since we've had this medical marijuana process in place that has really helped out.
1: And what do you think about using marijuana for cancer? We hear a lot about, and it's breast cancer month, so I thought I'd ask you that question. And I know there's a lot of people who use tinctures to control or help even cure, if I can say that, breast cancer. Do you have patients, and do you see them using it successfully?
2: Yeah, so actually, uh, the word cure is so, I don't know, final. We try not to use that word, but it has definitely helped a lot of people out, either with the side effects or being able to decrease the size of tumors. But they're also doing this in conjunction with their standard chemo radiation or even adjunct, therapies as well, because we do a lot of education as far as nutrition goes, intravenous nutrients that they can get along with the marijuana. But between the combination of everything, we've definitely seen improvement with a lot of the cancer patients.
1: So we have a little time left, but I was wondering, do you use marijuana?
2: I do not. My medical condition that I have is not at the point where it warrants it, but I definitely have seen the benefits of it for a lot of people. I've actually had a lot of my patients ask me, will you use it? I'm like, no, They're like, why not? And I'm like, well, <laughs> because one, I can't really use it, you know, since I don't have my card because my medical condition, yes, would be on there, but I've been able to manage it so well that I don't have to be on it at this point. But You never know in the future, I may need to, so if anything else comes up. So, of course, it's never ruled out.
1: Gotcha. In conditions like IBS, one of the things I really worry about is as I get older that it might get worse. Do you see these digestive problems getting worse, or are people able to maybe realize they have this disease, take some control over it, and it gets maybe more stable over time, or does it degenerate over time?
2: Well, here again, it depends. Sometimes if I'm really able to connect with my patient, be able to make some lifestyle changes, they can maintain or they can be in remission for years. So for those that still have the heavy stress and they don't have the lifestyle change and do what they need to do, it can be, you know, like maintained for a bit, but then they're going to get the flare-ups. So it really depends on each person on what they do and how invested they are in their health, what exactly the body's going to react to.
1: So people who are not in states where marijuana therapy is legal, what would you suggest they do to control? I know that I've gone on steroids to control flare-ups, but that has a whole host of other problems. What do you think the main thing is for people to do?
2: Ooh, Here again, they have to look at stress. How do they handle Mm. stressors? There are herbs out there like glycine, which is an amino acid, to help rebuild the gut lining. You've got hmf Forte, which is biseroil, which has actually been shown to help reduce IBS inflammation. It is kind of like a super probiotic. Here again, looking at diet, do you have enough fiber or do you need to cut back on the fiber? What inflammatory foods do you have? you know, that you have to look at. Sometimes there needs to be an elimination rotation diet. You may need to take glucose out of the diet. I've seen a lot of patients who are actually sensitive to glucose, yet the food allergy testing doesn't say otherwise. It says that they have no gluten sensitivity. So those are some things that we have to look at. Is your coffee dehydrating you enough to cause more inflammation? So we may need to switch them over to green tea, which is actually probably a little bit better than coffee because of the antibiotic aspect that's in it. And also there's a whole bunch of anti-inflammatory herbs that can be used. One of the ones that I really like is called Evrogas. It's from Europe. And that one is specifically formulated to help calm down inflammation in the gut. And so that one's a really good too. So there's all sorts of stuff that we can do as naturopaths to really help with that.
1: Well, it's great information, and we are out of time. I thank you so much for walking us through this today, Dr. Burns. And I wanted to thank everybody for joining us on Just Say No. We'd like to thank our guest, Dr. Jennifer Burns, and our producer for finding these great guests and making this show possible. You can download episodes of our program by going to cannabisradio.com or subscribing to the show on iTunes, Stitcher, or iHeartRadio. You can follow the show on Facebook or Google. For more information about our guests, and to read more about patients using marijuana to control their symptoms, and also to talk to me, you can go to mjwellness.com. And you can find Dr. Burns at Benitre Center, that's T-H-E-B-I-E-N-E-T-R-E center.com. And join us next week when we'll tackle more conditions that can be managed using marijuana therapy.